Today is Wednesday, December 20th, 2023, and this is the weekly refresh. Jeremiah 31 is God's hopeful claim to his people, his dedication to his pleasant promises, but it comes just after chapter 30, which reveals times of hardship. What these texts will teach us is that the fulfillment of God's joyful promises come through the painful challenges of suffering and hardship, and that hope provides endurance through those difficult times. Jeremiah 30, verses 5 through 7 say, Thus says the Lord, We have heard a cry of panic, of terror, and no peace. Ask now and see, can a man bear a child? Why then do I see every man with his hands on his stomach like a woman in labor? Why is every face turned pale? Alas, that day is so great there is none like it. It is a time of distress for Jacob. Before I reveal the meaning of this text, we must first understand the the historical context in which it was written. Jacob here refers to Israel as a whole, and at this time, Israel is in the midst of a broken society. You can see that the suffering of the people is so great that the men are ridden with anxiety, hence God's sarcastically rhetorical question about men holding their stomach like a woman in labor and their faces turning pale. 30 years ago, most of us would have not said we live in a broken society. But today, many people around the world, especially in the United States, believe that our society is deteriorating quickly. So it wouldn't be unlikely for someone to say that they understand how it feels to live within a broken society that has fallen apart. However, Jeremiah is writing to Israelites who have been deported from their homeland through the Babylonian invasion of 597 B.C., That alone shows us that the brokenness of their society is in much worse condition than ours today. We can see the moral decay of our culture growing like an infestation, but we still live within manageable comforts. We still have our homes, our vehicles, our jobs, our families, and our rights. But the Israelites lost all of that, and many lost their families and friends. Jeremiah 30 verses 12 through 14 says, Your hurt is incurable, and your wound is grievous. There is none to uphold your cause, no medicine for your wound, no healing for you. All your lovers have forgotten you. Babylon Babylon had just invaded Jerusalem and destroyed the first temple, the one that Solomon built about 300 years earlier, and was the epicenter of worship for the Jewish people. Along with the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem, most Jews were captured and deported to Babylon. Imagine a foreign nation invading our country, destroying our capital, and taking most of us as captives and shipping us off to their homeland. That would be a hardship far beyond what we imagined would ever happen to us. So to to equate the brokenness of our society to that of the hardships the Israelites were facing are not genuinely comparable. At the time of Jeremiah writing this, the Jews had just been captured. So the sting of this was The sting of this difficulty was fresh. The purpose of God's words here is to provide his people with hope in the midst of their incredibly difficult situation. Yet before God provides words of hope, first he provides words of future challenges that will be far worse than what Israel is facing at the time of their deportation to Babylon. In Jeremiah 30 verses 5 through 7, which we just read, God says that there will be in the future a time of distress for Jacob. God is referring to the time before the return of Christ, 
the time of great tribulation. Regardless of what you believe about the end times or the tribulation, about its duration or when it might happen, what is certain is that it will include unbelievable challenges for Israelites. God is clarifying that their current situation, which were self-induced by their own evils, are not nearly as difficult as will be their future suffering surrounding the time of Jesus' return at the end of the world. As painful as this truth may be to swallow, I intentionally left off the last line of Jeremiah 30 verse 7 when I stated it before. After telling Israel that they will face an even more painful time of distress in the future, God says this, Yet he shall be saved out of it. God is promising hope to his people and a promise of salvation. And the Apostle Paul picks up on this truth in Romans 11. In Romans 11, 25 through 27, Paul writes, Lest you be wise in your own conceits, I want you to understand this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Just as God promised in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, and so also in Paul's Old Testament reference here from Isaiah 59, God has a plan for the Jews. But not all Jews will be saved. When Paul says that all Israel will be saved, he doesn't mean every single Jew ever will be saved, but that the elect will be saved. Those who are the remnant of Jews left at the end will be saved. We know this because earlier in Romans 11, 5 and 7, Paul writes, So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. So still today there remains hope for every soul, Jew or Gentile, that in Christ anyone can be saved. And we get this hint about the coming of the end of times that the remnant of elected Jews who will be saved comes only after God has fulfilled his self-determined quota of elect Gentiles who will be saved. When that happens, so also the end comes. And so also God's promise for Jeremiah 30 is most fully realized. This hope applies to Israel in their Babylonian captivity and also applies to their future suffering during the Great Tribulation. So this encourages the Jews in their time of captivity around 590 BC, and it also serves as encouragement for Jews during the future time of tribulation. In the following verses, in chapter 30, God makes several promises like this. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, declares the Lord, nor be dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save you from far away. That's Jeremiah 30, verse 10. And from Jeremiah 30, 11, For I am with you to save you, declares the Lord. God loves to save. And in the the next chapter, we'll see why. Keep in mind that this is all God's doing. He has delivered this hardship to his people. He is not reacting to Babylon's actions, nor is he going to react in the future tribulation. But rather, these are events of unbelievable suffering and hardship that God has intentionally produced through evil agents whom he caused to perform these evils so that he might be the Savior. He tells Israel in Jeremiah 30, 14, 
I have dealt you the blow of an enemy, the punishment of a merciless foe. God has done this. God does not want Israel to think that Babylon acted alone. God told Habakkuk that this was his plan all along, to raise up Babylon as discipline for his people. Those are painful words to read when we tend to think that God's primary characteristic is love. However, God's primary characteristic is not love. It is holiness. His love is on equal grounds with his justice, and he is serving Israel justice, and he is doing it in love. He goes on to say why he is doing this in verse 14. Because your guilt is great, because your sins are flagrant. God is disciplining the people he loves, as he promises in Hebrews 12. So you can imagine the pain that the Israelites are facing in their Babylonian captivity. And you can also imagine how difficult times will be in the future for the Jews. Yet God loves his people. And though hardship is part of the journey, the end result is gloriously full of grace and mercy as an expression of God's love for his people according to his own faithfulness. In Jeremiah 31, God makes this overarching promise to his people, which would have served as a great encouragement of hope for the captive Jews, and still today serves as great hope for future Jews who will face the tribulation. And also, it serves as great hope and encouragement for the church today, because this truth applies to all God's people. He says in Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. You couldn't say more hopeful words to a people who are being taken from their homeland, the Jews in 590 BC. You couldn't say more hopeful words to people who will one day face mass persecution, the Jews in the future tribulation. And you couldn't say more hopeful words to people who must endure the sufferings of Christ as sanctification, the church today. Notice that God says, therefore, indicating that the reason he will continue his faithfulness to his promise is due to his everlasting love. His love is better than our love. His love is always perfect and always perfectly applied, meaning even his discipline, which is love, is perfectly applied. Therefore, when he does anything to any of his people, even when that thing is hard, it is God being faithful to his love for us. So hardships are one way God tells us that he loves us. Hebrews 12, 5 tells us this plainly. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. What feels like judgment is meant to produce holiness as a product of God's love for us through the discipline he delivers that trains us to be righteous. Hebrews 12.11 tells us this plainly as well. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The result is not painful suffering. Rather, the painful suffering is meant to result in righteousness, which satisfies and pleases not only God, but also satisfies us as we become more like Christ in his righteousness. So, whether you are a captive Jew in 590 BC, a future Jew or believer during the Great Tribulation, or a believer today, 
All hardships, pains, difficulties, and sufferings are from God and are delivered to us in his faithfulness as a product of his endless and unstoppable love, so to produce in us a Christ-likeness that will make us beautiful before his eyes and prepared for entrance into his eternal presence where joy and pleasure supremely fill our souls. So, don't push hardships away, complaining about how unbearable they are. Rather, lean into them, knowing they are from God and meant to cause you to depend on him, trust in him, and search for him more and more to produce in you the likeness of Jesus. The journey is hard, but the eternal promise is glory and joy beyond human comprehension. I say it's worth it.